0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: And it dawned on me how important it is for farm broadcasters and for others to have the information I have. uh, To be able to make sure that your listeners, the farmers and ranchers that listen to you and rely on you and trust you, are getting information uh, that will benefit them. uh, Because there's a lot going on.
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a Thursday, August twenty fifth version of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Mystic Lubricants for a full look at their range of top quality products. Visit MysticLubes.com. That's M Y S T I K Lubes dot com. Tanner, how are you doing today? I remembered to put the date in.
2: Yeah, I like that. It's still a nice little touch. I think our listeners are gonna appreciate, you know, uh is that how you spell mystic in real life or does that just seem off? To
0: me? <laughs> um, no, it's a C in real life.
2: Oh, okay. Well, it's good thing you spelled it out and, uh, we appreciate them as being a partner. No, I'm, I'm good. However, I'm a little bit perturbed. I don't know if that's the right word. That's the okay. word I'm going to use to lady.
0: I'm, my, I, uh, my interests I, are peaked.
2: I know that you and Ted again talked yesterday about, uh, the crop tour results and we'll get that sound bite here in a little bit. But when I told you I was at gymnastics, you just assumed it was for my kids.
0: Oh, that's true. I did assume that when I was recording with Ted last night. Was it for you? Is there adult gymnastics that you're a part of that you want to talk about on the podcast?
2: Well, I am not in gymnastics. I am far from anywhere being flexible enough. But was a little bit offended that you didn't think I had the athletic ability to be a gymnast.
0: That was not my assumption at all. I just figured, you know, a 35 year old grown man probably wasn't interested in being in gymnastics at this point, unless you're an Olympic athlete.
2: There you go. That should be my next goal is to get to the Olympics. (laughs) Just, just show Delaney that I could do it.
0: Maybe your daughters can teach you.
2: Oh, you know, that and piano. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get both of those things. Wrapped up. I, I tell you, speaking of teaching, gosh, you're great at segues here, at least setting them up for me. The USDA is excited about using their federal funding opportunities to provide educational outlets for under deserved farmers. So quite an interesting and almost a controversial term there. The I or the US Department of Agriculture will distribute up to $550 million to expand Certain farmers, in quotations, access to land, money, markets, and educational opportunities. They want to allow students of higher education institutions that cater to racial and ethnic minorities to have an equal opportunity. The idea here, obviously, says uh, Secretary Vilsack, is to enlarge the number of people that are engaged in this important occupation, because we have an aging farming population because we want to build vibrant local and regional food systems to be more resilient than what we have had in the past. So the new federal funding opportunity through the American Rescue Plan and Inflation Reduction Act is devoting up to $300 million for projects that help underdeserved farmers. Those generally have ag producers in the area or have received limited assistance in the past. Now the USDA is putting a focus on this. Again, Delaney, last category that is mentioned in this article is veterans. So uh, quite interesting. We continue to report on the Inflation Reduction Act and American Rescue Plan. I'm trying to figure out how many of these articles with these pools of funds, the 300 million, the 550 million, are overlapping and are just grabbing attention for additional categories. If not, that is tolling up to quite a few dollars devoted just to agriculture.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious how we're going to pay for those. I would imagine that those will come back to us in the form of taxes at some point. But Tanner, along those same lines, the Inflation Reduction Act that we heard comments from Secretary Vilsack on yesterday Are followed up this morning by the announcement on Wednesday from Vilsack again that financially distressed farmers who have gotten forbearance for delinquent debt on farm service agency loans may have to wait until at least October to find out if they will qualify for debt relief under the new funds provided in the Inflation Reduction Act, which I guess I don't know when other farmers... Loans are due. Typically, I think it's, you know, the beginning of the following crop year. So that hopefully lends itself a little bit of time for folks to figure things out, but not a lot of time as far as figuring out cash flow and when to repay loans and things like that.
2: But I see the biggest challenge with that is it was just I think the terminology was delinquent or, uh-huh. or those that were slow. What that tells me is that slows foreclosure processes. So it, if mm. you are waiting on additional potential funding, you can't rush the foreclosure process because there may be payments on its way. So uh, we've already seen a red hot land market. Uh, foreclosures being delayed only reduces the amount of supply. So quite interesting on that side of things. Delaney, when do you want to share what you and Ted discussed yesterday afternoon about the Pro Farmer Crop Tour?
0: Well, well, I almost called you Ted. Tanner, this seems like as good a time as any, so let's turn it over to that quick conversation with Ted. Well, folks, we're joined once again by Ted Seifried coming to us from day three of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Ted, what did you see today?
3: Well, Delaney, uh, when we left Nebraska City, we had to drive just a little bit to get a little bit north of Omaha, where we started our route, and uh, you know, the corn that we were seeing at first was really kind of good. Kind of running just below last year's average through the first six or seven stops, uh, while bean counts were down a bit. But as the day went on, bean counts kind of caught up, and by the end of our 16 stops, we had a bean count pod count average just slightly higher than what we had last year while our corn somewhat deteriorated as we went north and got into some drier areas and got some lower yields out of some fields that uh, last year were fairly good. Um, So our, our corn average ended up about uh, what, 14 bushels below uh, what we had last year. But again, through the entire day, our bean average was a little bit better. Uh, We saw a lot of, a lot of really decent, you know, typical Iowa stuff out there today. Uh, some fields, especially uh, in the northwestern corner of Iowa, were a little bit ragged, but um, that was kind of expected, and you know, the real good stuff that uh, that we've all been expecting in Iowa is on the eastern side, and we are very curious to hear from the eastern scouts
0: what their thoughts are. And Ted, I think really, you know, because as you guys are wrapping up Pro Farmer Crop Tour, we're recording this Wednesday evening, so you guys have one more day, but I think people really want to know, what do you think the crop is going to look like this year? And what does that mean for the markets?
3: Well, I think the South Dakota number was too low than what the overall state of South Dakota is is going to be. But South Dakota is certainly down from the state average from last year. Uh, Nebraska is as well. Uh, I think overall, I've been a bit surprised how poor a lot of the areas that we have been in have been. Um, and some of the areas that we were expecting to be really good were just all right. Uh, so overall on the Western side through our first three days, um, I've been, I've been kind of surprised at how, how poor things look and how much stress uh, they've been under In, in years past, we've kind of said, you know, Hey, these, this corn crops bulletproof, you know, we can throw drought at it and it, it always comes up, uh, with some pretty big yields anyway. Uh, either way. But no, the combination of drought and heat this year really did have a, a much bigger impact than what we've seen in the, in the past few years.
0: So Ted, yields coming out of the field might be a little bit worse than what we were originally expecting, but what does that mean for the markets at this point? Have the markets already traded these poorer yields?
4: Well,
3: the market has really gotten excited about some of the pro, pro farmer numbers uh, early in the week, as well as China sales and heat and dryness happening in China and there's just a lot of stuff going on at the moment, Delaney. And, you know, there could be more upside potential, but, you know, certainly we're trying to figure out what's going on with the overall climate of the economy. There's just a lot of things going on. So right now we're trading yield. Uh, what we'll be trading next week is anybody's guess.
0: Awesome. Well, Ted, we certainly appreciate you squeezing us in this these past couple of days because I know Pro Farmer Crop Tour are long days, hot days, and you're probably ready to have an adult beverage at this point.
3: No, I just want to take a shower, (laughs) (laughs) Melanie.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ted.
3: Thanks, Lenny. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
0: And Tanner, before I get to my next piece of news, big thanks again there to Ted for joining us. But I want to take a quick pause here to hear a message from today's sponsor, SitGo Mystic.
4: Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's mystik Loops.com.
0: Tanner, diving into some additional news, as we know, we are continuing to see surging Nat gas prices due to Russian supply havoc and natural gas supplies are down roughly 75% in Europe compared to last year, largely due to the three-day shutdown of Nord Stream 1 Um, that's happening again. So we knew it was shut down for a while. They're having another Let's call it quote unquote maintenance or whatever they want to call it on 831 through 92. And we're also starting to see, I saw this article this morning, CF Industries announced they would temporarily halt ammonia production at their remaining UK plants. Due to high natural gas prices, they've already closed two of their smaller UK facilities, but now one of their larger facilities will also be closed down as well due to these high Nat gas prices, uh, largely due to the closing of Nat or of Nord Stream 1. These facilities in the UK affect carbon dioxide supplies to the food industry and the two plants already have shut down. Account for about 60% of the UK's CO2 production, but also quite a large production of um, their ammonia goes to fertilizer and other inputs. So could be a tough road to hoe for UK and other European farmers as they continue to deal with the issue of trying to find some of these inputs for their growing season next year.
2: Yeah, it seems like there's quite a bit of energy headline headlines this morning. I've got three just to follow up real quickly here. Germany is going to begin importing green hydrogen from Canada. Canada intends to start shipping their green hydrogen produced from wind farms to Germany by 2025. Again, this is another step in a partnership with Europe to help their big economy reduce its reliance on fossil fuels. Just as you had discussed, there's also a headline that goes way over my head when you dive into the article so i'll stay pretty high level here but a california team just achieved ignition as part of nuclear fusion so nuclear fusion is the same energy that powers stars and our sun but the uh lawrence livermore national laboratory and national ignition facility in california had success of taking the same process that powers the sun two hydrogen atoms smashed together to fuse to form a helium atom which releases a huge amount of energy so they successfully did this which produced enough energy to become self-sustaining this is a critical step in the process for generating electricity through this if successfully harnessed nuclear fusion could be one of the most efficient and least polluting sources of energy possible. So they had this breakthrough at LLNL. Researchers recorded energy yield of 1.3 megajoules in a matter of nanoseconds. So, two very scientific terms that mean in a short amount of time, a great amount of energy. So, kind of neat to see that coming out of the US. And then lastly, My energy-related piece here is ethanol production rose slightly in this last week, ending August 19th. Output rose to 987,000 barrels a day, on average, up from the 983 the week before. However, Delaney, there was also an increase in inventories to the highest level within the last three months. That's 23.446 million barrels up from the 23, or I'm sorry, up at 23.807 up from the 23.446 so again highest inventory levels in the last three months since May 6th
0: that is good sorry I wasn't paying attention I was looking at my next story I don't know what you just said about ethanol
2: you could just say that's mixed because I said production was up but inventory is also up
0: got it thank you Well, that certainly sounds like a mixed bag there, Tanner, but this is certainly not a mixed bag for production worldwide. CONAB, which is, of course, the Brazilian government supply agency, similar to the USDA, put some aggressive production estimates out for the new 22-23 crop growing season, including a 3.5% increase in soybean plantings, coupled with an increase to yields. They're suggesting we might see an increase of 150 million tons this year in soybean production. And that, of course, could weigh heavily on the market if, if realized. But Tanner, I also forgot to mention this piece of news earlier when we were kind of talking Russia, Ukraine. The U.S. earlier this week, I missed this headline. I don't know if you saw it announced another $3 billion in military aid heading to Ukraine on their independence day today which is the largest security package yet to date, as we've now hit the six-month mark of war.
2: Oh, I did not see that headline. I'm glad that you caught it. The last piece, though, that I have today, will wait until another message from our sponsor this week, SitGo Mystic.
4: Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K-lubes.com.
2: Great to have partners powering this podcast forward. The last piece I have here is unfortunate news for Jessup, Iowa area farmers. If they sold grain to B&B Farm Store Incorporated, they can expect a letter coming out later this week outlining how they can go about filing claims with the state's Grain Warehouse Indemnity Fund. Delaney, that only happens after the state revokes elevator or grain company's license. So the license for B&B Farm Store was revoked on Tuesday. This northeastern Iowa company had begun having troubles. Uh, there was a little bit of writing on the wall August 12th. Their mortgage holder, Farmer State Bank, filed a petition of foreclosure with the Iowa District Court in Buchanan County. Now there's an estimated 60 different farmers who sold grain to B&B that will need to file claims. But I didn't realize this, Delaney. When you file claims, you're only guaranteed to receive 90% of the value of your grain sold. Don McDowell, the Director of Communications for the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, told DTN on Wednesday morning that the B&B grain has an estimated value of about $1.275 million that needs to be claims filed against. Uh, unfortunately it looks like some farmers aren't going to receive their total check. There's a friend uh, of the podcast who is also noted in this article, uh, Ben Reich, who stated that they had called earlier in April saying they were short on corn. He delivered 20,000 bushels at the beginning of the summer and had not received his checks. Upon investigation, Delaney, the elevator was cutting checks because we all know The grain laws state within 30 days of delivery, the account is to be settled. They were issuing the checks and keeping them on file rather than sending them to the producer. So, for example, Ben had finished his deliveries. No check came in May or June or July. And now we're getting news here in August as to the reason why. So they will have 90 days at the receipt of this letter to file their claim with an expected three- to four-month wait time to get the actual checks. So unfortunate news for some northeastern Iowa farmers and uh, unfortunate news, too, for the B&B elevator.
0: It sounds that way, Tanner, but I tell you what, I don't have any other news today, good or bad, aside from chatting markets. And it looks like here, after the opening Grains are mixed this morning. New crop corn is up about 5 cents at $6.62. Old new crop soybeans are down about 9.5 cents at 14 47 And wheat this morning also lower down a penny in the September contract trading at seven ninety three 93 here at the open. As we hop over to take a look at livestock, it's a mixed uh, mostly weakness for them this morning. I was going to say mixed bag, but we're already past the August expiration here. October live cattle down 20 cents at a buck 43. September feeders down 37 cents at a buck 82. And October lean hogs are down about 15 cent- cents on the morning at 90, 22 and a half. Now, Tanner, yesterday we played some remarks from Secretary Vilsack regarding the Inflation Reduction Act. That's a little bit of a mouthful. But today we're going to play some additional comments that he shared with reporters at the end of last week about the cattle industry and their continuing discussions of how to help beef producers this year, given the drought going on in much of cattle country.
2: Yeah, it's uh, he's been a very busy guy. Obviously, been a part of a lot of our headlines. Uh, it looks like here the first portion of this we're going to jump into is him discussing, just like you said, the USDA's involvement in the cattle industry to help those suffering producers.
1: Well, I think it's uh, you know it's fundamentally different here uh, because what we're focused on here uh, with what Congress has just done. Uh, is essentially Congress is saying to USDA, uh, we want you to keep farmers on the land, uh, and we want you to work with them uh, if they have loans that are distressed, if they are if they are have loans that are, that, that are in which they are finding uh, a difficulty in terms of making payments. We want you to use these resources uh, to keep them on the land. Uh, we approximate that roughly uh, somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the farmers who are currently doing business with USDA. Have a loan that it, it either is delinquent or in the or is in the, or will or has been uh, in the recent past delinquent, which indicates a, a level of distress. We know right now there's a moratorium on foreclosure actions, but that moratorium gets lifted when and if the public uh, health emergency gets lifted, and that can occur sometime this fall. And so, what we want is the ability to be able to, to work with those producers to be able to keep them on the land. Um, and this is across the board. This is not uh, this is not based on, on, on race. This is based on your on your distress condition. Um, and I think it's important. And I think it's a tool that we've longed for for some time at USDA to be able to have that flexibility to say, uh, with a reduced interest rate or with a, a restructuring of your loan, we put you in a position where you can stay on the farm. Uh, and, and that's what this resource allows us to do we obviously're going to get uh, input from folks in terms of how best to to, to uh, design uh, the, the effort but uh, i'm really excited about that opportunity because i think it opens up a whole new op- a whole new way of helping farmers stay on the land specifically begin to address some of the challenges that that part of the country is currently facing
0: in Tanner, this next question that was posed was how does the usda continue to help support ranchers so they don't feel they have to exit the industry.
1: It doesn't surprise me that there are people thinking about getting out of the business. The reality is that's been true of agriculture for the last number of years. We've seen a consolidation and a reduction in the number of, uh, of, of farms. Um, it's the it's concern from the standpoint that we want to make sure we have people continuing to farm. It's a concern in terms of the aging nature of farmers, and that's, that goes to a variety of ways help beginning farmers and, and young people get into the business and encourage them to get into business. Um, but in terms of the supply, I, I'm not sure that we necessarily see at this point in time cause for concern uh, that we're not going to have adequate supplies, both in terms of our domestic need and in terms of uh, the level of exports uh, that the rest of the world needs. I mean, we're excited about the opportunities that uh, the recent announcement in Japan in terms of the beef quota pre- presents for, for exports. It's a way of Uh, I think of increasing and continuing record levels of exports. So uh, we're going to focus on on, uh, equipping our farmers with the latest and best information and technology about how best to to utilize water resources with reference to whatever operation they have. We're going to continue to hopefully uh, encourage Congress to continue to invest appropriately in public research uh, in agriculture, which has seen sort of a flat line uh, for a number of years. And we really need to, as a country, I think we need to get very serious about increasing the level of research funding. Uh, I think we're going to continue to look for ways in which the disaster programs can work most efficiently to help. Uh, and we're going to continue to make sure that we are, are flexible in the way we use programs um, in the face of disasters, so that uh, we keep producers on the land.
2: And Delaney, the last piece that we have to share with you is uh, Mr. Vilsack's appreciation for making sure accurate information gets to you as a listeners, so that way you know what is available as far as resources go from the USDA.
1: Well, again, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you because I know how important how important you all are. Uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity to meet with a, a wide range of folks that uh, Senator Bennett put together in, in Colorado uh, today, and what struck me was I spent about uh, 35, 40 minutes listening to people uh, with various challenges, concerns, questions that they had. And then I spent about 10 or 15 minutes trying to explain everything we're doing at USDA to try to provide help and assistance. And it dawned on me how important it is for farm broadcasters and for others to have the information I have, uh, to be able to make sure that your listeners, uh, the farmers and ranchers that listen to you and rely on you and trust you, are getting information uh, that will benefit them, uh, because there's a lot going on. There's a tremendous amount going on, uh, and we want to make sure that people are aware of uh progress that's being made. So again, thanks for taking the time today.
2: And that's a wrap. I think he ended that quite well, thanking everybody for their time. Delaney, we should thank everybody for their time, but it is Thursday. And by this time next week, I think we will be plenty tired. However, probably running on adrenaline from all the exciting news at the Farm Progress show.
0: Absolutely folks. Another mention to visit us will be, going back and forth between the sukup booth and the John Deere booth next week. So please make sure and stop by to see us.
2: Absolutely. Come and say hi. If you want to see this segment recorded, it'll be recorded live at 1030 every day at the Sukup booth. Come and say hi. Let us know what you think. Uh, we look forward to meeting you as a listener.
0: Absolutely, Tanner. With that, should we let the people go?
2: Let's let them go.